This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. The U.S. Open Amateur Motocross comes to Oklahoma. Rocks and keeps, well, you know the story. And we talk more about buying a used motorcycle. All this and more on this week's Power Sports Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Power Sports Podcast. I am Jason Baffrey, joined in studio with Eric Colvin. How are you today, Eric? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. It was uh, kind of an off weekend for racing this past weekend, unless you're a NASCAR fan. And, of course, you've probably seen everywhere else that Brad Keselowski won uh, the big race down in Daytona. And, saw that. And uh, so congratulations to him for picking up another win. And uh, aside from that, the Redbud National for the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series took place this weekend. And Ken Roxon once again, goes 1-1 in motos and leads the points uh, substantially now. I think he has a 53-point lead over Eli Tomac in the 250 category, Cooper Webb, also went 1-1, and so it was a big weekend for Roxon and Webb, and yeah, so next weekend they go to Southwick, and we'll see if anybody else can get on the top step of the podium in Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. Roxon is on a roll. He's like a freight train, so it'll be interesting to see if this freight train goes to the end, and it's like some of the championships in the past from a lot of our past champions where he just has to show up and ride or if somebody picks up the pace and it's a fight at the end. Yeah, uh, I really think unless he makes just a, a huge mistake, which he, now doesn't seem like it's, he's even capable of making a mistake, or he has another mechanical issue, which I would imagine that the Soaring Eagle Jimmy John's uh, RCH racing team has checked everything on those Suzuki's over and over again since that one moto uh, that he lost with a mechanical failure uh, in the second race of the season. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty much looking unstoppable right now. He is. Uh, that team is on right now. Speaking of pro motocross and champions, our uh, 2016 Supercross champion Ryan Dungey is in headlines this week because he is going to be featured in ESPN the magazine's body issue. And some of the initial photos were released this week. And Dungey is in the buff, nothing but his boots on. And uh, on his Red Bull KTM, and I got to tell you, he's in pretty stellar shape, which is what the ESPN Magazine's body issue is all about. They take female and male athletes that are in their prime and and showcase the, the work that they have put into their bodies. And it is no easy feat to look like that, uh, I'm sure. I wouldn't know because I look like what I look like. And it is nothing compared to Ryan Dungey. But uh, I found it interesting. He, what, he, I mean, he's, it. they show pretty much every angle. Now, they don't show the, you know, the private parts on any of these. They they set up the, the photos in such a way that, you know, everything's, hidden uh and in his case the uh, the gas tank on his ktm hides most of what he needs hidden uh but i mean he's on the bike completely naked and in the dirt 
And now, obviously, it didn't look like he was doing any jumps. He did a wheelie uh, in one of the photos, and it looks like he probably, I had to guess, didn't jump but came over a, a, a small hill and gunned it. And, you know, so there's some roost and everything. It makes a really cool photo. But, man, to get out and ride naked on a motocross bike, uh, <laughs> that's, that's taking your life into your hands. I thought it was funny, the, the the site that I was looking at, you know, they had a bunch of comments and everything, and, and people were complaining because he wasn't wearing his helmet. Now, I'm all for safety, especially on a motocross bike. You need to wear your helmet. Kids don't go out and ride without your helmet on. But let's be real. I mean, he's doing a photo shoot for a magazine. They're showcasing his body. They want to see his face because you got to face it. Ryan Dungey's a good-looking guy, and they're not going to have him wear a helmet and and then be naked. Although he did wear boots, but I mean, you can't put bare feet on those pegs and it not hurt substantially. So, everybody, just come on. It's a magazine shoot. It's fashion. It's not like Street Outlaws setting a bad example for drag racing. It's Ryan Dungey, multi-time motocross and supercross champion. He knows what he's doing. He's not influencing kids to not wear their helmets. It's one magazine for a special thing. Uh, you know, let's not make a big deal out of it. And of course, he was also on the Wheaties box this year. It's a big year for Ryan Dungey. And, I mean, he's he deserves it. I haven't met the guy, but I've seen his interviews. He's a class act. Uh, he's an incredible talent on a motocross bike, and the championships prove it. And, you know, I think all of the accolades and all of the attention that he's getting right now are fully deserved. I mean, he's a great ambassador for the sport, um, for any kind of motorsports, but certainly for motocross and supercross right now. He is. And I think you hit it on the head that he's a great ambassador and he's brought motocross and motorsports to the forefront. And he's being included in magazine spreads where they have uh, baseball players and football players, basketball players. I think it's good. Yeah, uh, Dwayne Wade, the NBA star, is also going to be in that body issue. And uh, uh, Conor McGregor, the UFC fighter, is going to be in there. So other big name stars. So the ESPN body issue will be coming out soon. And you can check it out or you can find the photos online uh, in various places if you Google search. Uh, So this weekend coming up uh, around Oklahoma, where we are based, we have the U.S. Open Motocross Championships. That's happening at the Oklahoma Motorsports Complex in Norman, Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City. Um, Norman, of course, is the home of Oklahoma University and the Sooners, but they also have a really nice motocross track, which they also have like a go-kart track, and so they do some uh, go-kart racing, supermoto racing, and the motocross track that they run on a weekly basis. But this is a big deal. Uh, Ponca City used to be the big amateur race that took place in Oklahoma. Um, it and Loretta Lynn's are the two majors, if you will, for amateur racing uh, in motocross. But now uh, Norman, the Oklahoma Motorsports Complex, has taken that over. And it's quite a facility. And so there's going to be a ton of amateur motocross racers from all across the nation coming into our state this weekend for this event, uh, which is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I like to see this. Uh, I really enjoy having motorsports come to the state of Oklahoma, especially with uh, a lot of the youth national stuff. Yeah, so it's going to be great. I just wanted to mention it. So if you're in town, you can get out there and check out some great motocross action this weekend, um, the 8th, 9th, and 10th of July. And then in next week's show, 
we're going to have a, a recap and talk a little bit more in depth about the event. Uh, other great racing coming up this weekend from a national standpoint, the uh, Formula One series is having the British GP this weekend also taking place in Great Britain is the Speedway GP, the Adrian Flux British Speedway Grand Prix. And we will see if American Greg Hancock, who is currently leading the points, can get his first Grand Prix win. And this is one of the one of the big ones. I mean, this is a big deal. Uh, Ty Woffenden, who is the defending Speedway Grand Prix champion, uh, is from Great Britain. It's his home race. And uh, I'm sure he would love to win it, but Hancock, the points leader, would love to come off of a great performance in the Czech Republic a couple of weeks ago and get his first win of the season. All right. Thank you for your input, Eric. Uh, Also, uh, as we mentioned it, Southwick uh, is happening for the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross and uh, some more local racing going on around Oklahoma, some big time uh, racing. The Power Eye West Midget Series will be at I-44 Speedway this weekend. And Stephen Shabester is leading the points there for the Power Eye West Midgets. That'll be some great racing and kind of where it all got started at uh, I-44 Speedway in South Oklahoma City. A lot of this stuff has been gone from the state of Oklahoma for a long time. USAC is, is one of the uh, series that's been gone, and it's really impressive to see them bring this back. Yeah. Um, so the Power Eye Midget Series runs a lot around Indiana and, and the Midwest, but they started the West Series a couple of years ago. And so midget racing is back uh, in a full force around Oklahoma and Texas and Arkansas and, and Kansas. Um, we're seeing them go around to some of those states. So it's really cool. Uh, if you like your uh, open wheel cars just a little bit bigger and with wings on them, the ASCS Red River Series having a double header this weekend. Thursday night, they will be at Creek County Speedway in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. And on Friday night, they will be at Outlaw Motor Speedway in Wainwright, Oklahoma. So a big weekend for, for racing both uh, around our home state of Oklahoma and on a uh, national stage. And we'll be watching the Speedway GP and the F1 series and seeing what takes place over in Great Britain this weekend. I encourage anybody in the state of Oklahoma to go online and see what's going on in your area. Take the time to go to a local track and see what's happening. Yeah, we have a lot of great tracks around here. Uh, certainly dirt track racing is big if you're into sprint cars and modifieds. And, and um, we have a couple of late model races uh, every now and then at some different places. So it's always cool to see the late models come to town. They're a little more of a southeast uh, staple. Uh, we're more sprint car related around here. But uh, always some good racing going on uh, on a Saturday night and sometimes a Friday night around Oklahoma. So, Eric, last week we talked fairly in-depth about buying a motorcycle, and and we kind of focused more on new motorcycles and what to look for, the different types of bikes uh, between a a cruiser and a sport bike and uh, some of those things. But this week we want to focus a little more on buying a used motorcycle. Um, We talked a lot about first-time buyers last week. This information that we have for you today may be important if you're a first-time buyer and you want to buy a used motorcycle, you want to get into something a little more inexpensive. Uh, But certainly, maybe you already have a bike and you want to get a different kind of bike uh, and you want to buy used. Um, we've got uh, we've got some pointers for you, some things to look for when you're going out and buying a used motorcycle, and also kind of what we think are the top five types of motorcycles uh, or top five used motorcycles that you can find in different categories, so a sport bike, a standard motorcycle, or a cruiser. 
And uh, Eric, what should people be looking for initially if they're thinking about a used motorcycle? First thing that I would I would look at is make sure that motorcycle isn't any older than about 10 years old, okay? The reason being is a lot of times with the big four, being the Japanese, after about 10 years, they have changed the production style of this motorcycle. They've changed smart boxes, the ignition boxes. Uh, they've changed ignition systems, charging systems. It's a lot of stuff that they change and they quit supporting. And it's within a very short amount of time after the factory quit supporting a model that the aftermarket companies also do that uh, with the Japanese primarily. Mm-hmm. When looking for a used motorcycle, is there, um, and we'll get into the lists here in a moment, but should people look for a a specific uh, manufacturer as far as American-made, Japanese-made, European-made? Is there a difference other than preference in regards to buying a used motorcycle in those realms? Like it or not, if you buy an American motorcycle, you can buy parts for it easier. I would say that you need to do your research and see what is available for a motorcycle that you particularly like. If you find a used motorcycle that you like, somebody owns one that you've looked at, you've looked at it online, whatever, check it out. Make sure that you can get support from your dealer or that you can get support through aftermarket supply companies. Okay. Um, As far as buying, obviously we're in the age of the internet. It's the 21st century. Is the best way to shop for a a used motorcycle to go online and find something or to go to your local dealership and find something? I would take this approach. I get asked this question actually kind of a lot. And if you want to sit at home and look online, that is a really good idea. It might give you uh, sort of a wide ratio of things to look at without traveling all over town. Once you come down on a motorcycle that you like, work with your local dealer or work with a local shop. Uh, It's very risky buying stuff online. I know people have had good and bad experiences. Uh, at my shop, people have bought something and had it shipped to them or uh, they've gone to pick it up and, and it wasn't what they thought or they got scammed online. So I always say face-to-face. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's get into, the, first of all, the categories that, that we've set aside here. Um, when we're talking about a standard motorcycle, what are we talking about? Look at the... Triumph Bonneville, uh, the Ducati Monster, the ZRX Kawasaki's, more of the standard straight-up riding position mm-hmm. is more of what a standard is. And so these are, are not the probably not going to have the full fairings and everything like you're going to see on a sport bike. You are going to be sitting up straight, your feet, um, you know, on, on pegs, uh, perpendicular to the road you're you're sitting upright you're not leaned over the tank or anything like that um, and you're also not laid back so that's what we're when we're talking about a standard motorcycle this is your average motorcycle so um, what's your top five for used bikes in the standard motorcycle category coming in at number five i have to say i really like the zrx 1200 kawasaki uh it's very stylish. It has really good brakes. It handles really well. It's got a nice upright riding position. Um, and it's got a lot of heritage that 
it has all of its heritage from the old Z1R, the original cafe racer, as if you will, from like 1978. Okay. Uh, at number four, I really like the Triumph Bonneville. Uh, it's narrow. It's lightweight. It's fun to ride. Again, it handles well. It has really good brakes. It accelerates well. Uh, they're priced used uh, really well. Um, and there seems to be the opportunity to, to find that styling uh, of motorcycle used uh, through Craigslist or Trader Online, that kind of stuff. Yeah, now the Triumph Bonneville, um, and we'll get into, in another show, we're going to talk more about vintage and retro bikes. The the Bonneville is something that I would almost consider a, a retro-styled bike, but they have different variations of it. Um, you know, so some are more retro-looking than others, but it's a, it's a great-looking motorcycle. They carry a lot of their heritage in these motorcycles. Um, you've got the standard Bonneville. Of course, they've got some, like you said, variations. They've got a Jubilee edition, which is very nice. And they've got some uh, different trim packages with these motorcycles. I just think you get a, a lot of bang for buck, and you have quite a variety to choose from within the new Bonneville line of motorcycles. Yeah. Okay, what comes in at number three? I like the Yamaha FZ1. Again, we're talking about a nice standard uh, upright motorcycle. Its handling is very good. Uh, its brakes are really good, and it doesn't seem watered down from the R1 very much. Okay, and number one? Number two. Number two. We're at number two. At number two, I like the Buell Cyclone. I know people are thinking farm tractor. I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear it right now. You're saying farm tractor, but consider something. The If you are really tall, I've got some customers that are tall and they try and ride a lot of motorcycles and they look like they're on their kid's bicycle. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the Buell fits a tall rider. Uh, the Buell is happy at traffic speeds. It's happy on the highway. Um, Obviously, it has the Harley-Davidson kind of sound, but they accelerate really well. They've got a lot of mid-range power, and they handle extremely well. And even though Buell, as far as the company, has changed a lot in not only being open and closed, open and closed, open and closed, but the buell cyclone still uses a lot of the evo sportster parts so they're very easy to buy parts for them okay all right and number one on our standard motorcycle list number one i would have to say is the ducati monster i think for an all-around standard motorcycle to ride it to work to ride it on the weekends whatever you want to do with it i really like the ducati monster Okay. Um, now, as far as price ranges, now, obviously, we've covered a lot of different types of motorcycles here in the standard motorcycle category. But what kind of price range, um, give or take, are we looking at for these types of motorcycles used? Under $4,500. Wow. You can get a Ducati Monster for under $4,500 used? You absolutely can. You can huh? get an, an air-cooled 900 Ducati Monster, a few years old, uh, well within 10 years, Okay, uh, for 
under $4,500. All right. Very good. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some sport bikes. If you uh, are into MotoGP or the World Superbike, you know what these bikes look like. They've probably, uh, you've probably seen some screaming past you on the highway. Um, these are for the uh, the young and the young at heart and those that are able to uh, get their back in such a position to be able to ride something <laughs> laid over again, the fuel tank. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about sport bikes. Coming in at number five, uh, I've had a chance to ride a lot of these at the shop. Uh, actually, I've never seen a lot of these have huge issues at, at my shop. Most of the time, it's put brakes on them or change oil or people want to put accessories on them. But the Kawasaki 636 is a very nice mid-size CC motorcycle. Okay. It's very comfortable to ride for a sport bike. And I like its power delivery. Its its temperament isn't as cammy as a lot of the other 600s. By that, I mean it's not super flat at low RPM and then is it very explosive once it comes onto the cams. Yeah. When you talk Kawasaki and you talk sports sport bikes, most people probably think of a Ninja. Is the 636 in a Ninja category or, or is it different? No, it is actually in the Ninja category. Okay. There you go. Coming in at number four, a lot of people are wondering where this was going to be in the list, and uh, I was actually asked if I was going to include it, and I was, of course I am, but, you know, horsepower and bang for the buck, it's hard to get away from the Hayabusa. Yeah. So I, I like the Hayabusa for what the Hayabusa is good at, which is... It's going fast. ...is straight-line acceleration. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, for for quite a while, they were the fastest production motorcycle made. Uh, they they look amazing. They look fast sitting still, um, which most sports bikes, sport bikes do, but those especially look fast, and they, they back it up. Um, I've ridden one not at high speeds, but just kind of... Uh, actually, it's weird to say you put it around on a Hayabusa, but I put it around on a Hayabusa, and so it's just cool. They're a cool bike. They are, and they have made oh, thousands of these things, and there are a few different motor families. However, uh, Suzuki does support them very well with aftermarket uh, sale parts. So if you need service parts or ignition parts, uh, chains, sprockets, whatever. They're popular enough to where they're well-supported, not only at a dealer level, but at aftermarket level. Okay. At number three, actually, I like this motorcycle, obviously better at being at number three, but I like the ZX-14 from Kawasaki. Yeah. Uh, it's a little shorter wheelbase. Um, I like the power delivery that it has over the Hayabusa. Um, to me, it feels lighter when you ride the motorcycle. Uh, I think it turns better. Uh, I also think that it stops it stops competitively better whenever you're really pushing the motorcycle in the turns versus the Hayabusa, which is a little longer, and mm-hmm. it's a little more lazy in the turns. And, and I would think that depending on what you want to use the bike or what kind of riding you want to do, um, and, and we're talking about buying a used motorcycle, so we're not talking about, hey, I'm going to go out and necessarily race on the weekend. But some of these, the sport bikes, you could take out to a track day or something like that. But the difference between a Hayabusa and a, and a ZX-14 is going to be cornering uh, a little bit. I mean, the, the, the ZX-14 is going to corner better, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think it does. I absolutely think it does. And any of the sport bikes that that we've covered here so far you can tape the lights up and you can go to some place like Hallett on a track day and just go and have the experience and have a lot of fun yeah 
All right, what's next on the list? Coming in at number two, I really like the Aprilia Millie. Okay. I don't know if you've ridden one of those or not. heard one of those. They uh, they are a very nice, very fast, very smooth V-twin sport bike from Aprilia. Okay. And what year model would you be looking for for one of these? The Aprilia's, I would look for anything 2008 and up, okay. 2007 and up, right okay. in there. All right. And then at number one... I actually have a tie for for number one. They're not exactly in the same family, but uh, people that know me, I guess, would have expected this. But the 996 Ducati or the 999, if you want something to take care of your speed fix and your handling fix and your styling fix, everything, I think that either one of those motorcycles will fit. Yeah. They are uh, certainly, if you are into sport bike styling, they are one of the more beautiful motorcycles um, out there, I think. Uh, I can remember the first time I saw a 996 and compared it to, you know, other Japanese make um, sport bikes, and it just had a look all of its own. And uh, the 999, and obviously Ducati does sport bikes well. Ducati has always done sport bikes well, and it's all a continuation from the 916. And if anybody has kept up with sport bikes at all, the 916 was a huge revolutionary jump in the evolution of sport bikes. Yeah. Now, you seem to be leaning a little bit towards Ducati uh, on your list, Eric. <laughs> well, it's no, it's no uh, big secret that, I, that I'm a European motorcycle fan, uh, but I'd I like the Ducatis, um, but Ducati has changed up their lineup for motorcycles, and they're not as narrow as they used to be. Mm-hmm. And they've taken they've taken their diversity very seriously. And I think myself that a lot of the European companies, Ducati included, offers more of a better selection across the board in diversity of tastes and riding styles. Yeah. Uh, and, and since we're talking about Ducati, uh, we're coming off of uh, this past week was World Ducati Week over in Italy, and they had uh, thousands and thousands of people in motorcycles over there celebrating Ducati, and they even had a little bit of flat track racing with the new Scramblers. And uh, I tried to watch some of the. They had some video on their Facebook page that I tried to watch, but they were shooting it with a – um, with a smartphone, and obviously they were doing it live on Facebook, and so that whole process, and it was hard to see what was going on. But they they did have uh, their big name Ducati riders out on scramblers doing uh, their version of flat track racing. I, I did notice that they had a right turn, so it may have been a more of a TT style. I'm not sure, but anyway, World Ducati Week uh, was just this past weekend, and uh, it looked really cool if you're into Ducatis. Ducati always offers some kind of fun social events, Moto America, uh, Circuit of the Americas, you pick it, they're always there, along with different manufacturers. Harley-Davidson has the Harley-Davidson Owners Group, Uh, BMW has the BMW Owners Group, so a lot of the upper, a lot of people consider them upper-end motorcycles, but it's something to consider if you want to express yourself socially with a motorcycle, Mm -hmm. then a lot of the different brands of motorcycles, BMW is one of them, Ducati is one of them. If you're into gold wings, you know, they have the winged stuff. 
consider that. There's a lot of stuff that you can participate at a factory level, even with some of the older used motorcycles. Yeah, which is one of the good reasons to get a motorcycle. It's not just about enjoying the the ride and the freedom in that, but there is a lot of social activity that comes along with that, uh, things that you can participate in. And we're, we're going to do shows uh, m- more on that as well uh, later on, because uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about there. Uh, I want to get back to the Ducati. You, you've got Ducati's number one on uh, both the list so far, the standard motorcycle with the Ducati Monster and the uh, the 996 or 999 on the sport bikes. Um, Ducati, I've always felt, I've compared to like the Ferrari in cars, but what you're saying, just for clarification here, is that you can actually buy uh, Ducati motorcycles in a, um, that, are, that are less expensive, that are, will fit within your budget uh, for a used motorcycle. Absolutely. Ducati has several versions of their sport bikes in the same way that Ford has several versions of the Mustang or that General Motors has for the Z28 Camaro or the Corvette. Uh, Also the same with Dodge and the Viper. Okay. Interesting information. All right, we have one more category left, and we're going to talk cruisers. And, uh, Eric, I'm going to assume your list is dominated by five different Harley Davidsons. No, no, not at all. Uh, Although I did choose one of the Harley Davidsons, and we'll get to that. But actually, at number five, one of the easiest motorcycles to come up with, they're very reliable. They made a lot of these motorcycles, and there's a lot of them used that you can find, uh, is the VTX Honda, either in the 13 or the 1800. This is actually the motorcycle that I used to have, and uh, I would highly recommend a VTX. Uh, I had a 1300. Um, The 1800s are a little more top-heavy than a 1300. I found that the 1300 always ran great. it, it has a great sound. I had some aftermarket pipes on mine, so it, it was loud, um, but it's comfortable to ride. It will go just as hard as you want to go down the highway, and it's just a well-built motorcycle. There's no getting around it. It is a very well-built motorcycle, and the aftermarket companies have done a fantastic job of, of supporting this motorcycle. Like you said, pipes and bars and seats and accessories. If you have one of these motorcycles, you know what I'm talking about, that it is harder to choose what you want to put on it instead of trying to find yeah. something to put on it. Yeah. I mean, I had changed. I put some bullet tail lights on mine. Um, I had a, a, a little uh, uh, sissy... Uh, sissy, like a little sissy bar. Sissy bar. Good grief! I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, I I am against sissy bars. That's just not my style. I like a clean look. But my wife demanded she have some sort of back support, so I found the smallest one I could find. So it looked good, but she still said it wasn't enough support for her. But nevertheless, um, put a custom paint job on mine. Like I said, it had pipes on it, and man, it was just a great motorcycle all the way around. I I couldn't. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with the VTX. No, absolutely to not. To be honest. I like those actually over the 1100 Shadows and some of the other cruisers that, that Honda has. Yeah. At number four, though, I've always liked them. Uh, I think that they are, are worth looking at um, is the Yamaha Road Warrior. Okay. Uh, at number three, I like the Triumph America. 
If you're not familiar with those, it is sort of a sleek cruiser. It's got some of the Bonneville styling, uh, but nonetheless, it's a very lightweight motorcycle. Obviously, the the Honda, the Yamaha, and the Triumph all have a low seat height on them, mm-hmm. uh, and they work good for shorter people. Yeah, great. In at number two, though, you know, I like this company a lot. I like a lot of the products that they have to offer, and to be honest, it's actually kind of difficult mechanically and chassis-wise and handling to choose one of these, but I like the Victory line of motorcycles. Uh, The Vegas is a nice bike, uh, but off of that same styling, you've got the Hammer and the 8-Ball, and I think that any of those from Victory, period, is worth looking at and is worth purchasing. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of Victory. I've had one of those as well. Uh, they, again, a well-built motorcycle. If you're looking for an American-made motorcycle, but you want to uh, perhaps get one a little more within your budget than the, the Bar and Shield brand, then look at the Victory. Uh, they have incredible styling. Arlen Ness and... The, uh, Nest Motorcycles. They've been working with Victory for a number of years now in styling. They have some some special edition models that you can pick up that Arlen Ness has done. But any of the Victory motorcycles, um, you know, they look good. They run good. They've got more than enough power. And uh, you can find all kinds of accessories to go on uh, on a Victory bike just like you can for a Harley Davidson. Lots of accessories for the Victory motorcycles. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with what the dealers have to offer. Uh, there's there's not uh, any difficulty that I've seen with working uh, with the Victory dealers. They seem to be very helpful for their after-sale services, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's new or whether it's used. Uh, and like you said, the aftermarket companies, they're uh, – do a great job of supporting the motorcycle with pipes and seats and handlebars and lights and luggage and windshields. And yeah. so it's just not an issue with them. Yeah. Uh, Vance and Hines, who does a lot of aftermarket work, and obviously uh, they they have the Harley Davidsons in, in HRA drag racing. They work with the Harley teams in flat track racing. They are now pretty much synonymous with, with Harley Davidson. But Vance and Hines makes a great set of pipes for victory. Uh, they sound incredible. And so, you know, any even the big name aftermarket brands that are working with Harley, most of them have something for victories now as well. They do. Uh, Samson is another uh, exhaust pipe company that makes a nice one uh, for that motorcycle. And most of the time, uh, it's harder to choose which one you want to buy instead of man, I wish I could find something to put on here. Yeah, and you're absolutely good at going to look cool riding down the road on a Victory. Victories are very stylish, yes. And so that brings us to number one, and so we're going to go... Well, a lot of people thought I would pick uh, a Super Glide or an FXR, uh, you know, for a Harley Davidson, uh, but to be honest, I actually like the V-Rod. Wow. That's a little bit different take. Well, I know that there's a lot of guys out there that have just rolled over in the floor and spilled their beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I understand that. But, you know, the styling, the engine design and development of the motorcycle, the way the motorcycle is manufactured, we actually drag raced a V-Rod for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the V-Rod, I think, is very – it has a very big problem with being overlooked yeah. uh, at the Harley-Davidson dealers. Yeah, the it, uh, it is not a bike that the purists are fond of. Uh, not at all, even. But – and there would be some, I, I think, that would even consider that it is not a cruiser, that it would be considered more of a – of a muscle bike in the lines of a Yamaha Warrior or something along those lines. But uh, your reasons for the V-Rod. I like the riding position on the V-Rod. Um, it has a few It has a few issues that a person has to, to get past. Sometimes they're a little difficult to get at for service, okay, uh, if you're doing service at home. Mm-hmm. But I like the way that the engine makes power, okay? Um, it makes torque like the pushrod motors down low, but where the pushrod motor gets a little flat up about 5,500 to 6,500, the V-Rod goes right past that. Um, if you want to take it to the drag strip and play with it, the drag strip, they're great for that. You can just take it, pay your money like uh, at Test and Tune, okay? Yeah. Uh, they turn really good lap times, a lot of fun there, but they also are great for riding back country roads uh, on the weekends. You want to go out like I like to go look at the cows and the combines and the pastures and stop in the little towns and have the greasy cheeseburgers and the greasy fries and the sweet iced tea kind of deal. They're great for that. However, they are capable of allowing weekend trips uh the the luggage capability on this motorcycle if you're into cruisers and into weekend trips not hardcore touring i mean oklahoma city to dallas oklahoma city to tulsa maybe you want to go to houston or something for the weekend or four or five days um they're actually not bad for that either yeah Interesting, interesting choice, Eric, uh, for your top cruiser with the Harley Davidson V Rod. Um, so that's that's the uh, the top five lists for our three different categories. Now we obviously didn't get into uh, the big baggers or anything like that, but um, just real quick off offhand, I mean, we're probably going to be talking uh, uh, the Harley Heritage Classic and. Uh, and then Goldwing. <laughs> I mean, what what other big touring bikes uh, are there besides the big BMW? Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna. I'll post these lists um, with the podcast on our on our website at OklahomaTalking.co, and that's where you can find us. That's where you can also listen to this show. In addition to listening to it on iTunes. Um, we're gonna have more shows coming up, talking in depth about. Uh, what you should do next after you buy your motorcycle. Obviously, we encourage you to go out and get a helmet if you're going to ride. Um, if you live in a state like Oklahoma, you have to have an M endorsement on your license. So check the laws. Make sure um, that you do everything correctly there. If you get the M endorsement in order to do that, you have to go through a rider safety course uh, for the motorcycle. And we're going to do a show coming up uh, in the near future, hopefully, that we'll talk a little more in depth about that. And then some of the other things that you should consider uh, after you get your motorcycle, what what you need to do. But that's about all the time that we have for today. And, Eric, we've run just a little bit long, but I think it was worth it. We had some great information there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how all of you respond and what motorcycles you like. So go on our Facebook page at Facebook slash Power Sports Podcast. 
Uh, find us on Twitter at Powersports Talk, or you can email us, powersportspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about our top five lists. Let us know what bikes you think should be there. If you are, uh, if you disagree with Eric on his choice for Ducati out of two of the three lists, we'd like to hear what you have to say. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason Baffrey for Eric Colvin. We are out of here.